0: This week on the Physio Foundation's podcast, I'm talking to physiotherapist, PhD candidate, and physiotherapy educator, Pat Valence about his experiences so far working in physiotherapy education and his tips for students and new grads in managing their professional development. Welcome back to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week where we talk about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So if you want a full introduction to Pat, this week's guest, you can listen to episodes 33 and 34 of the podcast. So he's the third time on Physio Foundations, which is fantastic. And in episode 33 and 34, I spoke to Pat about his introduction to university teaching and we also introduced him to you. The listener, and we reflected on the perennial question, which is why don't you guys teach them that in university? And um, we offered some responses to that question, which was a lot of fun. So, in this episode, uh, we're going to find out what Pat's been doing in the last 12 months or so since we last spoke. Uh, He's been very busy and he has a lot of new insights um, into the big project that we're involved in here at the university and many of you are involved in as well, which is developing essentially school leavers, if you're working with undergrad students into health professionals in a very small amount of time. So it is a big project, a big undertaking, and you need good people involved in your team. So luckily we've got people like Pat. So Pat, welcome back to Visio Foundations.
1: Thanks for having me on again, Luke. I, I think I almost qualify for a t-shirt or a cap or a mug or something if it's my third third time on the show.
0: That's right. It's something, yeah, the mug you can leave there in the cupboard at work and <laughs> someone else can use, find Absolutely. on someone else's desk. So how are you, first of all?
1: I'm good. I'm good. No, we're um, we're in the, the lull that follows directly after the semester proper of teaching and um, just before we ramp up into exams. So it's a um a point of reflection possibly um on on how we've performed and a little bit of apprehension as we're hoping for the best results for students as they uh, take on the, the exam period
0: yeah and um you're so personally you're a busy busy man so you're about to get married
1: yep yeah i am so a few nerves around that as well i'm i'm under a week off now so it's um fast approaching we had the countdown going from a long way out and it's um it's it's come up very quickly so very excited it's, it's hopefully going to all happen my um, partner still has a chance to pull out the fingers crossed to get across the line oh, come on
0: <laughs> so good luck to you and megan for the big day and um it should be a lot of fun and have some time off afterwards and much deserved break so yeah we really appreciate all your efforts this the last couple of years in particular so just, just tell everyone all the work that you're involved in in physio education so obviously Listeners know a bit about me and what what I've been doing, but you're involved a bit more broadly than the Bachelor of Physiotherapy course. You're also involved in the Doctor of Physiotherapy course at Monash that we run. So, what do you teach? What do you coordinate? What do you do at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I guess I view myself as a bit of a, a right hand man to yourself or a, a mixed store um, in the the first year of the Bachelor of Physiotherapy program, where I'm um, coordinating the, the CBL, the case based learning that is and musculoskeletal practical content. Um, so that's been really, really good. I've maybe stepped up that responsibility a bit in this last well this year, so the last two semesters. Um, I've also taken on more responsibility with um the, the research methods content through the first year of the BPT. So um, delivering what we like to think of as more a, an evidence-based practice um, subject, but it is called research methods um in the I'm also assisting with anatomy there so I'm in this unique position where I'm seeing students across most of their first year subjects um so I I can hold them accountable to a degree where I, if I know where they are at up to in different subjects I can really try to link the the content so that's been um I'm very fortunate in that way I've, I've been able to get this unique insight in the um, doctor of physiotherapy program I'm um, coordinating research methods there as well, so call that evidence-based practice. And I'm also co-coordinating the exercise prescription and programming unit alongside um, Professor Dawson Kidgel. So I'm um, I'm across a few areas, but yeah. as I said, I'm, I'm I'm very aware of how fortunate I am to have that insight across the various subject no, con- contents that the students are engaging with. Um, it means that I can keep up quite well with what they're learning um and and how it interrelates and i can help them link so i think that is a it's a key learning strategy for students to try to see the links between those subjects where possible so they can consolidate concepts
0: yeah definitely this is an episode for students and new grads where we can pause and reflect back to them some of the strategies that are most helpful and you know and, and perhaps offer some tips as well and you know, anything that we can do to help the journey become easier for them. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you've learned from being across clinical skills, teaching, exercise, research methods, or we'll call it evidence-based practice, um, clinical anatomy, or we call it applied anatomy. And you see all these different components and you get to follow the students, you know, through time as well. And you get to see their development. So let's, let's start perhaps with the um, the tips for success. What do you see students who are succeeding year after year? What do you see them doing?
1: I think first and foremost, they're utilising the the resources they have available to them. I know it can be quite overawing at, at time for for students where um, yeah they look through. We use a um, online software Moodle where we store a lot of the resources, um, and we do upload quite a bit to moodle but we're putting stuff up that's up for a reason and if you're engaging with that those resources in the you know in an appropriate manner if you're slowly digesting the resources that we're putting up and you're looking for um yes you're looking for key principles and concepts and i I think that's a key thing so using the information that we're making available to the students rather than just trying to uh, focus in on a particular yeah, dimension that we're, say, say, for instance, just lecture material or um, just a prac manual um, or just uh, video resources. If they're trying to um, absorb information in a variety of ways, they're going to get a, a greater depth of understanding for these concepts. Mm. Um, I think I, I touched on before the, the 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 themes that carry across the different subjects. That's really important to me. I, I really try to stress that to students. Uh, a big one for me is with research methods in that traditionally research methods has been viewed as a, a dry subject, to a subject that students struggle to see the relevance to clinical practice. Uh, but I, I often find myself thinking just how important it is. It probably is one of the more important to, um, subject areas to understand well in that if they're able to engage with uh, with with research, with literature, with um, all the, the amazing knowledge that is out there in an appropriate manner, that's going to completely transform the way they practice. It's going to um, be really important to their success as clinicians in the future. But from a student level, if I sort of round it back, uh, really important to their performance, say in our case based learning um, subject, where they're, one of their main tasks for the week is to go away and learn about an area and how it relates to clinical practice. If they're coming up with the, say the physiotherapy physiotherapy management strategies that are um, going to be most evidence for management of a particular condition, which is what we do for case-based learning, they're they're likely going to find, you know, the the right or well, the, the best options, I should say. Not the mm. right options, but the best options. And they're going to be able to reflect on why they're the best options. And I think that's a really important yeah. takeaway for them, that it is all interrelated. We teach it for a reason.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of um, areas in, in musculoskeletal physiotherapy, for example, that are constantly being updated because they're tricky, like tendinopathy, pain, for example, and we're constantly updating what we're teaching. And so just from that statement alone, it makes sense that if you're two or three years out of university, you're going to need to be updating yourself as well. So, and Christian's talked about Christian Osadnik, that is, on a previous episode of this podcast, has talked about being resource aware, which is something you just touched on. So sometimes, in a way, we've got too much, too many resources these days. There's some fantastic um, quality content out there that you can access right now for free and there's subscription services as well. Um, There's no excuse to not get your hands on high quality resources as a student or as a new grad but it's it's probably a matter of having a way of approaching it as well. so so your number one tip there is use the resources that are available to you. What do you see then? what What's the flip side of that? What do you see students doing sometimes? perhaps when they're not taking advantage of? what do you see perhaps the the pattern going on there when people mm. aren't taking advantage of the resources that are available to them? What are they doing instead?
1: Yeah, yeah. They're probably probably going that silo approach where they're just focusing in they might be interacting with certain resources, but it might be a it might be resources that are delivered in a singular manner. So I mentioned before, if they're just listening to lecture material, yeah. they're probably missing a whole lot of depth there. Um I'll I'll add a little bit of added detail to um you know that 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 statement I made around engage with the resources. You highlighted something well there, where there are all of these resources and and a lot of that is external to what we deliver as well so we know there's a in in physiotherapy um in physiotherapy world there's a a lot of um there's improved access you could say to expert opinion and interpretation of of research there's services that that do that and do a great job of that i think there is a skill as well in identifying that it isn't always going to be uh, information that you absorb and and take at face value without further critical evaluation mm. so circling back to to research methods if these students are, are good at interpreting and critically appraising what quality research is ideally then they can make their own judgment as well which is going to be aided by access to you know, these these services but i think it's it's a skill in in and of itself that's going to set them up for their clinical career if they can critically appraise information.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, one strategy of learning, which is probably your your elementary strategy coming from school is rote learning. So, and that lends itself to cramming information into your head the day before assessments and, you know, a really poor way of integrating that into your long-term memory as well. Um, and so what you touched on there is the, the skill of learning, the art of learning, something that we need to work on across our whole careers, not just when you're in university. Um, so, using the critical evaluation skills that you've been teaching them in research and applying that to the resources that you're consuming when you're a busy clinician. Um, so, that's really important. And the depth as well, you touched on, you need that depth. So, listening to lectures at two and a half speed, as fast as you can, the night before some assessment is due, is a really poor way of learning and it's a common strategy but it's something that if you don't use other other resources and you don't um you know use the book the textbooks and um the, and, and read further into the journal articles and you know, use the videos that are provided of course you can only have a superficial um, approach absolutely superficial learning mm.
1: oh, hot tip and this is, I'm just reflecting on your questions as you ask them, um, and this is an absolute credit to yourself and and Mick Store who um, set this up in the first year of the BPT, but the skills mastery sessions. So for those that um, are external to um, physiotherapy education, uh, a few times a week we open up the prac rooms and the students come in for self-directed practical learning. And I think that is probably where we see the best consolidation of musculoskeletal skills. So we see students teaching each other and i don't think until you have to teach someone else a skill or a concept yeah it's one of the better ways to consolidate information you have to understand that concept to a a great detail to be able to get the right information across and hit the key points so i think that's that's brilliant that um, you guys have facilitated that for students
0: Oh, it's so important. So we've got some general tips from Pat, and then we've got hot tip number one, (laughs) which is that importance of that skills practice and consolidating your understanding and the benefits of teaching something to someone else. That can't be understated. So um, what other hot tips can we extract from our many conversations you and I have had across the year? we finish the teaching, we come out there and we debrief on on, uh, the session that we've just had, what are some other attributes of really effective learners? If you're a student listening to this, what's the chances our students are listening to this, Pat? Uh, it
1: might at be the moment, few. they're it not be because- No, they're hopefully the, they're trajectory. studying at the moment. Hopefully they're getting ready for exams, but maybe, maybe those If are you're are a physio student
0: or, or, or any health professional student and you're in a busy full-time demanding course and you're, and you're on top of that, you're looking for Looking for more, and you're listening to this. Well, first of all, good luck, and keep going. It's not easy. Um, and secondly, let's give them some more hot tips. Absolutely. What else you well, got, Pat? Yeah,
1: yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, I think keeping the clinical application or the clinical lens in in mind as well. So, um, I guess particularly in the earlier years of uh, physiotherapy education, we we focus on skills a lot. So there's a lot of emphasis on skills and performing skills appropriately and and principles of these skills you know we we teach them um how to um apply certain assessments at different body areas and so on but the students that i and this is just on reflection the students I i see performing well are those that are asking questions about well, what about this situation in the clinical setting or this situation in the clinical setting they're they're questioning how they're going to apply it, not just trying to apply it well. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's really important. And if they're understanding the use of said assessment or treatment intervention, then I think that's going to translate really well in terms of their understanding of, of the why. So why, why would I use this and how can I use it and the
0: scope and limits to its use? Um, Great, that's hot tip number two, ask questions. And sometimes it's hard to ask questions especially if you have peers around you, you think, well, uh, maybe everyone else already knows the answer to this and maybe I'm supposed to know this already. If I ask the question, it exposes the fact that you don't know it, but rarely do you have someone in a group when you're the facilitator or the teacher or the, uh, whatever your, your name is at the front of the tutor, at the front of the class, rarely do you have a question that doesn't add something to that that class and it doesn't lead to another conversation and help the person who's asking it. So it's a bit of a segue now to knowledge and skills. So I've asked you this before, what are the most important knowledge and skills for a physiotherapist now, 12 months on mm. having done many, many hours of teaching, having worked as a physiotherapist yourself and you're near the end of your PhD. Um, so you've really developing your own knowledge and skills. Has that changed? Has your answer changed at all? What do you think the most important knowledge and skills are?
1: This will be this will be interesting. So probably can't off the top of my head quite remember what I said last time. So we'll see if there is overlap. So this is a a really this is a blinded attempt at um, seeing if I've I've changed my perspectives. I think there's probably a few few things that come to mind. Um, I've mentioned and it's probably come across that I'm really big on being able to question and critically appraise information. So not blindly accepting um, maybe what is common practice or what is um, what is what is routine in that as health professionals we owe it to our patients to deliver best management yeah best management I mean we know that evidence-based practice um, approach where it's a you know it's a integration of what the the patient's preferences are uh, what evidence tells us and what we have found has been successful in the past we need to be constantly aware of that evidence update. So what um, what the literature is telling us, um, that's not to say that we change what we're doing rapidly, but just that we're constantly challenging ourselves to continually improve that it might be possible to get better outcomes if we're tinkering and we're investigating and we're applying that lens. So that would be number one. So just challenging ourselves. Um, I think being able to, reflect on our knowledge gaps as well is really important so if we can continually um, appraise where our strengths and weaknesses are i don't think there would be a clinician that's practicing that's that's ever practiced that thinks they are the absolute rounded health professional that knows it all so we we all have weaknesses we all have strengths i think trying to maximize strengths absolutely but trying Mm -hmm. to improve on those weaknesses where we can um and not being afraid to to get help to improve on those um so it might be that you think you can read a bit and and learn in that way to improve on those weaknesses but maybe you seek mentorship um i'm I'm sure that there there is always going to be someone that is better at um this component that component than myself so i'm i'm not going to let my ego get in the way i'm going to ask for help yeah if it yeah and this is going a little bit lateral from a teaching perspective i'm I'm relatively new to the game, but I'm constantly looking to improve. And I'm so open and welcoming of mentorship from people like yourself, Luke, and and others in the department that have been amazing in uh, trying to boost me up and answering all the silly questions that I have and helping me um, improve to be a better educator and a better physiotherapist as well.
0: Mm. And there you go, asking questions. Uh, and you touched on something there that Jordan Rutherford talked about a couple of episodes ago when I asked him the same questions. So having that humility as well, which sort of ties into the willingness to ask questions and um, accepting that you don't know things—that's really important. So, so challenging ourselves, and that's a very broad concept. So number one, challenging yourself, um, and your your particular focus is on you know best management and and seeking the best critical appraisal of evidence and perhaps challenging yourself by through learning and by you know, looking at resources and not just assuming that you've, you've, I've done my course now. And so I know all the stuff and I just go and rinse and repeat every day. And then secondly, reflecting on knowledge gaps and mentoring, professional development, fantastic. So these are, that's a fairly high ty- fairly top, level, high-level response to that, isn't there? You, you haven't talked about specific hands-on skills and you haven't mentioned communication. This is more of a um, a look at you and, and how you'll you know, progress yourself through your career. Yeah. So that's interesting. I
1: think, yeah, I think on that, I, I didn't go into specific skills because I think if you're applying those, I guess, those, those two areas of challenging yourself but also being self-aware and reflecting it, it encompasses that um it encum- encompasses your knowledge and encompasses your skills um yeah it, it can be the smallest little detail it might be uh, you know someone like myself going into um our, our musk tutor um sessions before we teach the students a particular technique and um mixed or doing a, a lockman's and he's got a particular approach that's slightly different to mine and Lo and behold, it's a bit more effective and so than my approach, so I'm, I'm taking that on board and I'm adopting uh, that approach and so on and so forth. So you, you're always open to, to learning more. I think if you ever feel you've learned enough, it's probably time to jump ship and mm. do something else because you've got to be open to learning to continue to
0: enjoy this profession. Yeah, absolutely. So on that, what are some of the most satisfying parts of physio education work for you? Um,
1: I think the students' enthusiasm. I I have uh, conversations with students, so I, I I found this year in particular, um, students have been really, really, um, well. They've been open to conversations. They've been great. They've been you know, really. Um, you know, sometimes you get that relationship with students where they they seem almost scared to have a chat to you about. How they're going, but this group's been fantastic. All groups have been fantastic. But there's a few that I've had chats to and asked how they're going. And you it's really nice to take stock sometimes and just separate the, you know, what we're doing, it's work where day in, day out to uh they're so excited to they've learned this and they want to apply it in a, you know, a clinical placement. I had a chat with a student recently and they they said, oh, I just can't wait to get on a clinical placement. I just can't wait to interact with patients and um that kind of enthusiasm it really boosts you up you think I'm I'm doing some stuff here that's going to help shape these students to go out and perform a, a role well but um that's just really really nice it 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 um, you see that enthusiasm that reminds you of when you were a student when you were starting and it was a big scary world of physiotherapy but um yeah I think if you can try to nurture that enthusiasm Mm. and and maintain it so that when they get out there they're these really enthusiastic and um dedicated and committed therapists i think that's a brilliant thing i think Mm. that's yeah we maybe i'm i'm overextending what we can do but the students if we can at least support them to maintain their enthusiasm they're doing the hard work i think that's a great thing but Mm. yeah that that boosts me up all the time
0: Mm. and there's ups and downs there's some periods during the year for everybody where enthusiasm can come and go, but having an overall, having high levels of enthusiasm for what we're trying to do and what we, and, and also that outward focus of thinking about why you're doing this. So that that student who said to you, I can't wait to go on placements and work with people. That's really where you need to be um, putting your energy as a health professional student you're th- the reason you're doing this isn't just to go to university because you don't want to go to work i hope the reason you're doing this is so you can become a health professional and say you do a three-year degree a four-year undergraduate degree that's not a lot of time if you're in school the year before so if, if you're a school leaver to go from a kid in school to an independent health professional that's a big project so there's quite a lot that we need to achieve in that small amount of time and and yeah you're going to get tired sometimes but having that overall enthusiasm that thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and you'd have to have that in your phd as well you've so you're near the end of your phd a big slab of work and you know we've we've talked about your phd work before in tendonopathy and pain that's that's got to be a topic that gets you out of bed in the morning you've got to be enthusiastic for it otherwise you'll yeah it's hard to continue because it's hard work
1: yeah. yeah, I think it's got to be in an area of interest, in, and that's probably going to be quite intense interest, something that really intrigues you. Um, I I chat to I've chatted chat to a lot of people about my PhD. I bore a lot of people, um, mainly because my partner she's sick of me talking about it, so I'm not allowed to talk about it too much at home. Um, that it's that'll we happen. Ha- yeah but we have that that conversation me and other people quite often they say oh like that's a it's a lot of work to to do and you know do you get sick of it and and whatnot and you do go through ebbs and flows of being more or less motivated but i don't think i'll ever be sick of the topic area because it's something that i'm intensely intrigued by and i'm i'm excited by the fact that that we've now got data for the studies and you almost feel like a um early explorer where you're you're the first person to have information on this particular topic it's you're you've discovered something and that's that's not many professions or areas can you do that can you be someone that discovers something so that's really exciting and then you think about well how how could this help people so you've not only have you discovered something but it could be quite important to shaping the way that our profession approaches an area or an idea so
0: Um, that's why you're doing it so much of our time is spent in in research or in any work just grinding away with the details and the the processes and methods but you've just summarized really nicely why you're doing research to be on that cutting edge and then to use that to progress the profession so there you go
1: yeah and i think it's it's nice we've got a good group we've got a great group here at, at monash the the mmru the monash musculoskeletal research unit but even beyond that within the the department and our networks um i'm fortunate as well to have some other people i work closely with um dr mark maroli over at university of melbourne and um and i think the the beauty is that we all share a, a passion for research so we're all eager to support each other and find these you know really exciting discoveries and um, sometimes, well, sometimes it may not be as exciting or on face value. It's you, know, you find this little detail or you you sum something up, but it's still a discovery. And I think everyone that that does research appears to have that maybe that common thread of they're just eager to learn and they want to yeah learn more about an area. And it's quite exciting to be you know, the person that that finds something in particular in an area. So mm. I think we share that.
0: Yeah, fantastic. What, what can we say to people who are, say, students, new grads, anyone listening to this, who is currently or, or perhaps for a long time is lacking enthusiasm? What if it's all a grind, it's hard work, and they're listening to you saying you know, how entusi- enthusiastic you are about your PhD and teaching, and they haven't quite found that thing that uh, gets them out of bed in the morning yet?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. It's a hard question as well because it's something that um, I think you you have to look within you. So you want it to be an intrinsic motivator rather than an extrinsic thing. You you want it to be something that you can tap into and and go to. I think knowing that 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 motivation levels will go up and down. That it's not just you probably see other people and and see them you know, pushing ahead and putting in all this hard work, and you're thinking, gee, they're yeah they must be motivated but just knowing that they go through their ups and downs That's i think important, really yeah, yeah but really searching for what um makes you tick um, looking within yourself and and knowing that um, say for example let's say physiotherapy students and and say they're they're in the grind of the semester they're midway through and those motivation levels are lower i think trying to take that step back and and looking at why they started in the first place yeah what what pushed you to to take up this study in the first place and, and and usually and it's the beauty of physiotherapists and maybe i'm a bit biased but in any health professional they're doing it for quite a nice they, they, their, their purpose is they want to help others they've mm. got this really beautiful quality about themselves They they want to assist people uh, and i think you take that step back and and you reflect on that and you think well it's a grind at the moment that this is going to help me get to that point of helping people. And that's why I signed up to do this. Mm. So I think step back, big
0: picture. And in the early years of any um, health professions degree, the preclinical years, the preclinical placement years, you don't really know what's coming up. It may be that the area that you're working on at the moment, you don't really connect with it. You may, if you're in first year physiotherapy, and you're not, you don't, you haven't done any neurological or cardiothoracic or any other type of physio, you may not really know what those areas are and it could be that you find another area that you are much more passionate about, that you connect with the content and and you, it, it, that might change again when you go on clinical placements. It's definitely going to change when you start working, head out there into the the workforce and you do your rotations and you work with all different places you work in, you're going to find that it's constantly changing. How has it changed for you across your, how many years since, since you uh, first uh
1: 2016 I graduated so okay. would that be like eight, eight years or eight something years.
0: So like that yeah how, how has your your view changed on your favorite areas in physiotherapy is it I know for me it changed quite a lot because I tried a lot of different things clinically um and I, I didn't um go and specialize in one area and that's been really useful now as an educator I draw from all the different experiences I've been that I've had but how how is that for you um, You've been a I'll, little bit more focused, a little bit more. Yeah, maybe um, a bit
1: more. I've always been quite musk uh, focused all, all through my studies. I'll, through my undergrad I was and then early, or um, well, my clinical career has been largely musk. Um, it, it has been interesting. I, I never intended to get involved in research. I never did a honours. I didn't do an honours in my undergraduate. I had no intention until uh, a chance interaction with one of my supervisors now where we got chatting and it was actually I'd had an injury in a particular area and had been reading quite a bit on it because I was struggling to work my way through it even as a um, new grad clinician we got chatting got chatting and I had quite an interest in an area and so sort I've of got pushed towards um doing some research and dipping my toes in and I loved it I did not expect I would enjoy it at all I thought I'll do this for a little while just for the experience fell in love with research and wanted to do more and more so I think just being open to to opportunities and and trying different things, but I, I didn't expect that. Um, my PhD is it's it's Musk meets neuro, is how I describe it, because there is a definitely a central nervous system component to it. Neuroscience, and, yeah, neuroscience. Yeah. Probably, yeah, neuroscience is probably a better way to sum that up. And that's yeah, you'd say separate to the clinical sort of roles of, of of physiotherapists generally sort of going deep into neuroscience. I didn't expect i'd enjoy that and that's that fascinates me um um, through my research i've assisted with projects that have gone into other areas as well digital health um, falls away Mm. and and all of them have fascinated me i've i'm maybe it's a bit of a cop out but i'm I'm seeming to enjoy most things I'm, i'm involved in and so i think it's probably a case of if you've got the right people around you in the right environment you're probably going to enjoy most things yeah um, that's yeah that makes so it, a big difference absolutely so maybe focusing more on getting yourself in the right environment and trialing things is what I'd say to new grads it might be that maybe you had your heart set on on musk or neuro or whatnot but just be open to different opportunities and and try things and you might find yourself really enjoying it or you might just be better for the experience. have picked up some bits and pieces of knowledge and you can move on to trying something else.
0: Mm. I think curiosity is a word I just noted here as I was listening to you. So you've got a, it's a broad range of interests, but you've been open to them, but also just curious about the questions that come from them as well. And the point you made about being supported, being mentored, being in a good environment and that leading you to enjoy the things you're doing. I think that's really valid as well. And you you won't enjoy everything you do in your career. You'll move around. You won't enjoy every clinical placement you do, every unit in university. There'll be months and hopefully not too many years where you have bad patches as well. That's really normal. But being open to um, to enjoying, being uh, making yourself available to enjoying a range of different experiences it seems like a good recipe for a enjoyable career i mean let's not talk too much about pay and things but if you want to if hopefully you haven't signed up to be a physiotherapist or a health professional for the pay we get remunerated fairly well for what we do but you know everyone always has an opinion about that it's not about money it's surely you would choose a career like this for sort of a balance between um, being able to have flexibility in your career and really enjoying it, if you really wanted to make money, go do something else, start a business, go get on the stock market. You can do a whole lot of things that are less enjoyable, but surely we're doing this because we want to help people, as you said before, and, and build a really fulfilling career. A lot of people who end up in health professions are sort of high on those personality traits of agreeableness, conscientiousness, and empathy as well. So you go home from a day of work feeling really tired often, but also this deep level of satisfaction if you've been able to help people. And you and I will get that from our teaching. You have a real, I love the days when you have a really full day of teaching and you go back and you've connected with all the students in person. And it's to me, it's really similar to the good days I had in the clinic. It's a really similar feeling. Um, Pat, final thoughts from you on... The topic from today we've had just a very general discussion it's our opportunity for us to unwind after a big year and reflect on a few things so the final yeah. thoughts on the tips we've been giving for the students and new grads for approaching their learning and what do you think
1: yeah we, we covered a bit didn't we um yeah I'd, I'd say it's been more of a reflection than the yeah uh, a, a chat that we had these set set points but that's been really nice and hopefully there's been some some good points come out for for those that are listening I think one one for the students maybe or if I'm addressing the students um particularly just within you know time of year in mind that, that they've got assessment season coming out um mm. I think probably one thing I haven't touched on would be just balance try try to find some balance in there. Um the we we've spoken a lot about all the things you can can do to engage with resources and and think in this way and critically appraise that. But I think as well giving the the brain a break in there, um, not just go, 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 but yeah, if you've got a set amount of time, try to come up with a plan. Make sure you've got some breaks in there so that it's not all you know, pushing yourself to the absolute limit, because we know when we push ourselves to a limit, that's not when we get the best out of ourselves. It's when you have time to recharge in there as well.
0: Yeah, it's very wise. And you and I have talked offline a lot about distractions, which appear to, from our view, um, play a really big role in student success. And it won't be just students, it's everyone across the board. We're all um, distracted constantly by um, all the good things and the bad things that um, are in your phone right now that you can look at, you can get on it right now and burn two hours and have nothing to show from it i I think sleep is a really big one we could add to your list there as well it's Mm. the effect of having a phone being 18 years old particularly having a phone in your pocket that's connected to everyone you ever known that you can connect with at three in the morning if you really like and the addictive nature of those social media apps i mean i don't know how they achieve anything to be honest. It's, uh, it's something that if you want to be different, if you want to set yourself apart from everyone else, your ability to avoid distraction has got to be up there high on the list. Somehow, if, if you're going to look after yourself and take Pat's advice and set everything up, so you've got rest and breaks and everything, putting away the, the device somehow has got to be a part of that. But
1: yeah. gee, it's, it's easy
0: to say and hard to do, isn't it?
1: I think there's a, a skill in, there's a skill in that. And I think and this is is us looking at it from the lens of like I I I don't have um TikTok and I, I rarely engage with the other social medias, but they're probably the main ones that we're talking about just because they are so high in high news use. But it's not not deleting apps necessarily. It's not completely stepping away from those if if that's yeah. not what you want to do. And we're not saying do that, but maybe it's more of a if I study hard for X amount of time. I'm going to give myself a break and I can use it for this long, but just not falling into that rabbit hole. We're all guilty of it. I I, I fall for it probably more so just looking at footy scores and sports stuff like that. You, know, you, you go down a rabbit hole and you go, oh, I've wasted this amount of time. But just being a bit strategic, having those breaks, I mentioned before, but that break can be maybe you go for a walk, maybe you have a shoot around of basketball with your mates, or maybe you, you, if you want to, you, you jump on TikTok and, watch a few things on there. I'm, I'm not too sure it all works, but that, that's probably how I'd sum it up.
0: Yeah, having that balance and a plan and a strategy, that's really important advice. So that's great. Well, hopefully, if students are listening to this, I bet—I hope they're not actually, I hope they're studying for their exams, but <laughs> well, if you found this and you've, you know, you've got on here and you're finding these conversations helpful, uh, please share it with other students and other new grads. This is a student and new grad focused episode, of course, but if anyone else who's listening from any other area, please do the same. And thank you for being a part of our conversation. Um, Pat, we've got to reconnect everyone with your details. You can look up P- um, Pat's um, social media handles and everything else in the previous show notes, and I'll put them in the show notes for this one. You had a funny story about your Twitter handle, which is now an X handle. Um, yeah. And your name, didn't you?
1: Yep. So I've changed my Twitter handle. It's now physio underscore pat um I I happen to share name with the Chief Health Officer um over in the UK Sir Patrick Valance and Sir Pat um, Sir Pat, and which, which is um it means I'll, I'll never be the most cited Patrick Valance and I'm completely <laughs> at peace with that I'll probably be way down the list I'm sure there's other Patrick Valances doing good research out there as well I'm sure there is uh, but I, I was getting lots of um lots of DMs and whatnot. That were meant for Sir Patrick and uh, around different funny things, you know, strategies for um, health policy and the like. So yeah. I've changed that one to PhysioPat, which I think is just a bit more reflective of who I am and, and what I'm up to. So, easier as well. Pat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The,
0: the, the last time I heard that one, that reminds me of our previous guest, Scott Morrison, who has the same name as the former Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison and um, Scott, Physio Scott um in the usa he used to get some very interesting um, d- um dms and tweets and various things coming his way not all of them were very nice so no, he no. had well, someone else he would manage those and, and reply no and, and play around with them that was pro- it was pretty funny but I, think do we I can get-
1: empathize with, with scott then um yeah i know what scott's been through there That's to neat. some degree
0: so let's leave it there pat and we're obviously going to do it again it'd be really good to see where you go um, over the next few years and good luck with the wedding and the, obviously the PhD once you don't think about your PhD now weddings coming up. So have a great time and thanks for all your contributions throughout the year. It's been really good to have you a part of our team and, um, you're someone that we can depend on and who's really, you know you've got a lot to offer for the students and obviously the research you're doing is and the profession more widely so really appreciate having you as a part of the team and looking forward to see where you get to and where you go in your career
1: i really really appreciate the opportunity to come on and join you today luke but also more widely just to assist with teaching Uh, it's something I'm, i'm deeply passionate about and i think that passion very much comes from the environment that people like yourself create so it's a great place to to be and to work and Something to be involved in, so uh, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying helping teach with yourself.
0: Excellent! It's so good to hear. And to anyone still listening to this, make sure you share the episode with a friend. You can tag us in at Periton Physio on social media. And one more bit of housekeeping that I was going to mention, Pat, was the Physio Foundation episode summaries. We were talking about. Um, I'm doing three to five minute text summaries, little blogs, articles, call them whatever you like. And they're going up on LinkedIn. They'll go on periton.physio. Um, and they're just, if you have got if you don't have half an hour to listen to an episode, they're a condensed summary of what was talked about. And I hope they're of value. So you can look up those and um, let me know what you think. That's brilliant.
1: Look, I'll, I'll yeah. be checking those out. Um, although I am an avid listener, it would be good just to remind myself of what certain chats are about.
0: Well, you read you read your own ones when the, so what was it, episode 34 and 35, whatever they were, yeah. And you can see if that's a valid summary of what you said. But no, it, it's sort of interesting because you it's an opportunity to re listen to it and then sort of distill the main points and, um, and then go from there. And then probably lead to other questions and conversations. But anyway, if they're, if they're of value, so uh, go check them out. But we'll leave it there. So thanks very much, Pat. Thanks, Luke. So until next time, this is Pat Valence and Luke Periton wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning.